This is Including You, the new series from Lead at Any Level. Including You features stories from chief diversity officers and other executives who are creating inclusive cultures in their organizations. Our goal is to show what's working in companies just like yours, to give you the tools you need to keep pushing for progress in your own workplace. We want to create belonging and opportunity for everyone, including you. And now here's your host, Amy C. Wanninger. Welcome back to Including You. I'm your host, Amy C. Wanninger, the Inclusion Catalyst. My guest today is Julie Cantor. She's a director in the Enterprise Change Division at Information Services Group. ISG is a leading global technology research and advisory firm known for its sourcing and digital strategy services. ISG employs 1,600 people in 20 countries, and I'm so glad to have Julie on the show. Julie, welcome. Thank you, Amy. I've been so looking forward to this and just talking to you before the show. I want to get on a plane and just come and hang out with you. Um, I welcome that. Oh, thank you're you. Awesome. Yes. <laughs> so this is thank a delight. Absolute treat. Okay. So a note for my audience. I do not pay people to say that, uh, <laughs> nor do I even ask, but thank you, Julie. I appreciate that. And I'm excited to talk to you. My understanding is that your focus at ISG is on building out mentorship programs. Is that correct? Yes, yes. In 2015, I started a corporate managed mentoring solutions business, and we merged into a fabulous organizational change management firm during COVID founded by Beth Thomas called Change for Growth. And ISG recently acquired us And so now we just have more resources, 20 countries, 1,600 team members. But my passion is how do we drive greater inclusion and belonging and diversity through helping people in the workplace help each other? So mentoring and sponsorship, we're building out this pillar called Include and Mentor. Why is inclusion and mentoring, why are, excuse me, why are inclusion and mentoring so connected in your mind and in your work? Oh, gosh. If you look at, if you just take on one hand, diversity, okay? And then diversity and driving more diversity in corporate America, help working with people, supporting people and helping them grow in their career trajectory. And then you take on the other side, mentoring. I think in a Venn diagram, what you get in the middle is inclusion. And I think that right now, Amy, we really have a workforce that's hybrid, that's remote, that's more isolated than it's ever been. People are isolated. They cannot just Zoom calls and Microsoft Team calls. People are tuning out. They're, they're, it's a planned disengagement. And I think the Gallup's research really showed us that people, if you don't have a best friend at work, you're likely, you're a flight risk. Having colleagues, having people, having that proverbial water cooler conversations is so critical. We are human beings. We need to connect and we're more isolated than ever. And it's through COVID research shows that 44% 
of our 18 to 24 year olds are at risk of a mental health diagnosis. And 26% post COVID of Americans are at risk of a mental health diagnosis. So we have to drive human connection. It is our corporate responsibility. It's fun and it helps people not isolate and knowing someone out there has your back. So I'm a big believer and there's a huge business case on the ROI of mentoring as there is a huge business case on the benefits of diversity to driving the bottom line in corporate America. It's interesting as you were talking, because it occurs to me that mentoring has not always been inclusive and there's not always been a focus on diversity. I'm thinking back to 20 years ago in my career or even before that, mentoring seemed to happen when the guy in the corner office, and it was always a guy, by the way, the guy in the corner office would step out, walk around, figure out like who on the floor sat close to him that probably could golf with him that he could put, bring under his wing and groom for his role. And mentoring used to be very much about investing in someone who is the next me, not just in my job, but in all the ways. And so mentoring seems to have changed and become a lot more intentional in maybe the last 10, 15, 20 years. Can you talk a little about that evolution and why that evolution is so important, especially as we look at the demographic shifts in the country? Absolutely. It's a fantastic question. Yes. Mentoring is a hallmark. Sponsorship is a hallmark of the old boys network. You find a protege, you take him or her under your wing and you champion them for opportunity. And we talk a lot about mentor sponsors and allies, you know, that a mentor tends to have um, experience and knowledge and skills you're looking for and is willing to share with you and from their skills, knowledge, experience, a sponsor is someone who behind closed doors is going to say, here's why we need to hire Amy, or here's why Amy gets the promotion, or I'm going to put my political, my, what is it called on the line and advocate and champion Amy for that next big opportunity or next big client As Carla Harris famously said in her TED Talk, the hiring room is not a meritocracy. People, candidates are being championed in that hiring room by their sponsors, their mentors, and more. So I think that most research out of McKinsey shows that people tend to mentor and sponsor in their own likeness. Um, Sylvia Ann Hewlett did a study that women are three times more likely to have a mentor and men are twice as likely to have a sponsor championing them for the promotion, the raise, or that client, the multi-million dollar client contract. So a lot of times I think women and minorities, we were not in the game. And, yeah, and I would imagine those numbers are worse for black and brown women um, or even for black and brown men in the workplace. Um, the, the, yep. the numbers probably don't shake out um, once once ethnicity and race are considered. And so I'm sorry to cut you off, but this is no, 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 not at all. 
this is so important because when you talk about meritocracy or getting the best person for the job, we are missing the best person for the job almost all the time because we're overlooking women. We're overlooking black and brown professionals. We're overlooking talent that has not traditionally been sponsored and mentored, right? So a scenario I want to share, but also I think it's really important, this Sun Microsystems in their engineering department, because a lot of times mentoring is like fluffy. Is it a nice to have or is it a have to have? And it's frankly, it's even today, it's a nice to have. There is so much lip service being played to mentoring and sponsorship. And it's been viewed more and more as a solution in the diversity movement. And so companies might have mentoring initiatives for hypo talent, for hypo diverse talent. And out of 180,000 people at the company, you could have 20 or 40 in the mentoring initiative. Yep, we all have a mentoring initiative. Let's check off that box. Done. But listen to this. At Sun Microsystems, before they were sold to Oracle, in the engineering department specifically, they had a mentoring initiative. And you didn't have to be in it. It was an opt-in volunteer initiative, not a voluntold initiative. And there's a huge debate on that right now. So anyway, people who elected to be mentors, those people got promoted six times more over the next five years in a Wharton published study. The people who were not afraid or ashamed to ask for help, okay? And this is a big one. In a lot of communities, asking for help is perceived as a sign of weakness, And there's a lot of reasons why it can be incredibly uncomfortable to ask for that help. So people who are not ashamed to ask for help in this volunteer initiative, guess what? They got promoted five times more than their counterparts. Retention rates were 20% higher for the mentors and the mentees. And that saved the company $6.4 million or more on the cost of turnover in that division. So it was a win for the mentor, a win for the mentee, a win for the company. But I think in my dozen years working in the mentoring space that there's an incredible disconnect. On one hand, you have people who are very willing to offer help of all race and creed. They're willing to offer their help, okay? And they do have political power in their companies. And, but they don't want to intrude. They don't want to force themselves on others. And then on the other hand, you have people who need the help, but perceive that they'll be looked at poorly professionally, looked at as weaker, looked at as less committed or less competent or less eligible for the promotions if they ask for that mentoring help. So you've got this mentoring disconnect. And I believe a little engineering goes a long way. And I'll share with you, Amy, we worked with seven employee resource groups at a major healthcare company and ERG groups. One was LGBTQ, one was veterans, one was multi-generational, one was for Blacks, one was for Hispanics, one was for physicians, and one was for people, they called it abilities, geared towards people with disabilities. 
So seven employee resource groups, several of them were pretty new. And we asked the top 10% of leaders in the company if they would mentor people in these employee resource groups. And would they be part of it? And we looked at it as a mutually beneficial alliance where there could be learning both ways. And we ran a year-long program. And almost every C-suite leader in the company jumped in and says, count me in. I would love to be a mentor. And it was all voluntary. And you had to, but the only thing that wasn't voluntary, you had, it wasn't open to all 30,000 plus members of the company. It was open to people that have been, they had to be in good standing to be in the employee resource group. And the goodwill was off the charts. So I think we have to give people opportunities to do the right things, to mentor, to sponsor, to be an ally, to be a role model. I think we have to put a little engineering to bridging these differences and connections and create mutually beneficial alliances. As I get more into this field, I'm doing a lot of peer-to-peer -peer mentoring initiatives where no, it's not hierarchical. We all can learn from each other. Utilizing those for mergers and acquisitions and I think, and the last thing I'll say is I've had few moments since building in the mentoring space where my jaw dropped, but I was working with a federal agency in law enforcement in Washington, DC. And they asked me to come in and do a speed mentoring flash mentoring session for their diversity, all their diversity council. And I, this changed my mind. This shifted my brain on a lot of things, this experience. I always ask people, how many of you in this room are currently have a mentor? And about five hands went up out of 35 people. And I said, how many of you are currently mentoring professionally someone else? Two hands went up, two hands out of 35. And those two hands were the only two older white men in the room and my jaw dropped. I was actually a bit surprised, but then I realized that it's ingrained in the proverbial old boys network, but men traditionally, if asked for help, have been very willing and, and, and desiring to mentor. And I think that we can take, I talk a lot about the new sisterhood we have the Old Boys Network and we have the new sisterhood. How are we setting it up where we're helping each other more and people that don't look like us or remind us of ourselves? Because if we want more diversity, we need to mentor and sponsor more diversely. Absolutely. I agree with you. I do something similar. I have a networking uh, model that you and I talked about. I have a networking model and the last two spots in the networking model are who is your mentor and who is your protege. And a lot of times if people are going to be missing someone, it's usually not the mentoring spot. It's usually the protege spot. And I always tell them it, sometimes I'm talking to college audiences. Sometimes it's people right out of college. Usually it's mid-career professionals, emerging, aspiring, and established leaders. But sometimes the younger people will push back and say, who am I going to mentor? I just got here. And I'm like, look, you knew how to fill out a job application. 
or you wouldn't be here. You know how to read or you wouldn't be here. You know how to graduate college or high school or you wouldn't be here. There's somebody five minutes behind you. Go find them. Yes. There's always someone. There's no excuse not to be a mentor. And it doesn't mean a lifetime commitment, but pull somebody aside and say, what are you struggling with? What guidance do you need? What resources do you need? How can I help? And that's how it starts. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that. I love that notion because it's really what you're saying, Amy. It's an entire pay it forward chain. People helped us along the way and we turn around and we help others along the way and we open doors. We, I'm really working myself on sponsorship. Who can I connect with who so that they can get more of what they want in life? How can I champion them? How can I practice more what I preach? And I remember I was in Dubai for a women in STEM conference and I went and met with a woman afterwards. We met in Dubai and I was in San Francisco and I met with her and she works with like tens of thousands of women who code. And this was back in 2016 and she works with tens of thousands of women who code. And so she runs a a nonprofit and I sat down and I'm like, all right, who can I introduce you to? I ran a charity for 20 years. I know what it's like. And she looked at me like I had two heads. And I was like, do you want to meet this person, the person who heads up this foundation or that? You're working with tens of thousands of women in IT. And she looked at me like I had two heads and I couldn't understand why. And she goes, Julie, I'm just so used to people asking me for things. I'm not used to people offering me to make introductions for me. It's usually the other way around. And I was like, but you're the one running the cause. We all should be helping you. That's true. And I think a lot of people who have had to bootstrap their careers, bootstrap their businesses, they're not for profits. They, we, I'm going to just put myself right in that camp. We are so used to doing it ourselves for ourselves and everything depends on us. Or we've been told don't ask for help or there's always, right. I think one of the things that I was told is somebody offers to help you find out what they really want. And so there's always this kind of suspicion or, or concern and it's letting our guard down enough to say, to be vulnerable, to accept help. And, but then the other thing that I wonder about is when we're talking about power dynamics in organizations, what works for a 60 year old white man doesn't work for everybody else. And in a mentoring relationship, how do you get those nuggets of how you can be successful but also get the translation into what will work for you. Because I can't show up the same way a man would or a black woman can't show up the same way I would in an organization and get the same results. So how do we navigate those spaces in a mentoring relationship? Oh, I love that. I think a lot of it is we have to know what we're looking for in these relationships and what are the capabilities that we're most looking to grow? What do we have a vision for the future? Do we have, I, for me, I like to use SWOT analysis a lot in mentoring relationships. What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? What are your opportunities and threats? And within your, it could be within your personal life, your professional life, and where you most need or looking for guidance and help. So I think we need to, I think mentor training is critical. Because it's not for me as a mentor to try to make someone in my own likeness. It's to understand where they're at and help 
and how, if I can add some value to their path, their path, their trajectory that they're on. There is an adage that says when leaders make it to the top, they often forget that the ladder was there. But I'll say to leaders, your kids, your employees' kids, nieces, nephews are on that ladder. And you do, you, you do have an opportunity to create these, again, mutually beneficial bi-directional alliances where you can learn from each other. And what we will do is we usually try to figure out what are these competencies that the protege is most looking for? What does the mentor most have to offer? What are, do they have some shared things that they both enjoy, hobbies, interests? It's kind of like matchmaking. And then we even do these flash mentoring, speed mentoring sessions, and we utilize those as well, where people can match themselves. And sometimes we use a software solution if it's an enterprise-wide model. And then we match people, but make sure you can work together. Have that first meeting, share a painted picture vision of where you want to go and grow, and identify whether your peer mentor or your mentor can help you get there. We believe in a beginning, middle, and an end. So starting with a blueprint strategy and moving and we moving into training. And it's just as important that we all have to have a clear um, vision for these relationships. Most mentoring relationships that I've seen just completely fall apart. They fall apart because of scheduling. People agree to connect. And we're talking here, Amy, about eight to 12 hours a year. Anyone can give an hour a month for eight months or two hours a month for six months. Anyone can do that. But people just, I don't know why she didn't call me. He didn't call me. And that's right there. These relationships break up. So you have all these companies that, that just build it and they will come. They'll throw it out online. We're in this big mentoring program. We're going to have 2000 people in it. And I remember talking to this one woman, she said 1,700 people didn't match themselves. I have to write to them all today. They all agreed to be mentors and none of them matched themselves. And I'm like, did you train them? No. Do you have a mentor action guide? Is there a blueprint, a, a roadmap? No. And you have a board mandated initiative here and people are not just on their own matching. So again, a little engineering can go a long way. And um, you got to make sure that this person, you feel this person that you can work with them. So if on that first or second meeting, it's not a fit, I'll probably try to rematch you. My, my last question for you, Julie, is about converting a mentor into a sponsor. We know mentorship is important, but sponsors are almost more important. Mentors get you ready, but then sponsors put you in the place, put you in the room. What advice do you have for people who are in a good mentoring relationship about, I don't know what the right word is, but almost transforming that relationship from mentoring to sponsoring. So there's an ask there, there's an expectation or a commitment to go speak the protege's name in a room full of opportunity. Often they say that when you have a sponsor, they pick you because they're willing, they believe in you and they can get that out of the mentoring relationship that they believe in you. They see that they talk to others about you behind closed doors. And another thing I think that's important is we have to flex the muscle of how to ask because we don't want to ask for it. 
I asked a leader, a wonderful leader at ISG, if he would make some introductions for me for this work, because I know he believes in it. And I was, I, even myself, I felt a little, oh God, I got to make, if he makes three introductions, I'm making 10 for him. I don't want to put him out. And he reached out to some really major leaders on my behalf. And I don't think he wants anything in return, but I was even a little, a little shy about it. So if someone asks you, how can I help? You've got to start building your voice. And I think it was Association for Talent Development or, or Sylvia Ann Hewlett's group that said that minorities who are sponsored are 62% more likely to stay at their companies. So it's, again, nice to have or have to have. People and the ones leave. who are unsponsored and unmentored are twice as likely to leave. They'll absolutely as their white counterparts. And so that's, we're talking huge returns on investment. It's huge. And so we have to figure out how to build it and scale it and sustain it. And a lot of times what happens in companies is they'll have someone in HR or diversity that's in charge of the mentoring program or more, they'll have a, a volunteers, a volunteer group doing this. And then people get busy and the whole thing comes crashing down and it actually can really do a disservice because it's not being managed. You have to look at current state of where the company is, future state, and then have all the change management, the process management to run and sustain effective programs and the resources to do that. So I think a lot of companies, again, it's lip service. When you think about all the money that goes into training and development, there's a, ATD did a study and it said that if you get trained as a manager, a people manager, your productivity increases 24% after you're trained. If a people manager has a mentor, your productivity increases to 86 or 90%. Mentoring got a little bit of a bad rap, a lot of failed initiatives. Structure was not in the initiatives. People got didn't challenges in the match, challenges in scheduling. Someone whose job they were spending 5% of their job running the initiatives. And so I built, that's why I built a whole company around it. We got to build it and we got to do it right. We need to be inclusive and we really need to get to the heart of current state and future state and help people help each other because you can't pay 300 or $500 an hour for every person in your company to have an executive coach or, and we need to build and broker these support and make, do more of that matchmaking, but then train people how to get the value out of these relationships. I completely agree. Julie, thank you so much for sharing your experience, your expertise, and your insights with our audience. I really appreciate you. Thank you, Amy. It's been delightful. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk with you about these really important issues. If you've enjoyed this episode, follow Lead at any level on LinkedIn and YouTube. Then join us for Including You video simulcast every Thursday at noon Eastern. Including You can also be enjoyed each week as part of the Living Corporate Audio Podcast Series, available on all major podcast platforms. Learn more at living-corporate.com. Including You is brought to you in part by Lead at Any Level, a boutique training and consulting firm improving employee engagement and retention for companies that promote from within. Lead at Any Level. Leaders can be anywhere and should be everywhere. Learn more at leadatanylevel.com. Lead at Any Level and its logo are registered trademarks of Lead at Any Level LLC. The views and opinions of guests on our show do not necessarily reflect the positions of Lead at Any Level, Living Corporate, or the sponsors of Including You.
That's it for this week's episode of Including You. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to leave us a comment or a review to let us know what you thought. Please be sure to join me next week when my guest will be Ulysses Smith from Blend.